You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Joyous Talking Turkey. Joyous because <laughs> we were scared to death on Saturday night, weren't we, Brian? It was uh, not quite what we expected, but what a great evening it was. And as you saw in our Takeaways article that came out on Sunday, the day after the game, there was a lot of positive to talk about. I mean, there's there's always things to improve upon, but, I mean, considering what these kids and coaches have gone through, to come out and do what they did. So impressive. Ah, it was wonderful. Oh, by the way, this is John Schneider and my co-host Brian Manning. And I'm still skying about this because I'm trying to today is the call. One of the one of the issues that call we're gonna do today is always the okay, Brian did the five takeaways and they were all big positive takeaways. Well, we always have to look at what needs to be worked on, what things look like they might need to be worked on. Now, one of the things that we had to really be a, Brian, you saw this, we're 23 players short and we had four assistant coaches who were out, including the DC. So they only just got Tracy Clays back for the linebackers, which probably was a godsend because we needed those linebackers to play the way they were playing. But the big takeaway of the three issues that we've got coming up that really need just a little work. One, Fuente admitted to this in his press conference right after the game was stamina because of the COVID and he blamed it on all of the COVID restrictions and all of the contract tracing and all of the non-combined practices they were having, that he was really worried that in in the middle of that second quarter that everybody started to get gassed. And I said it on online at least once or twice in the comment stream on, on the thread. I was noticing that somewhere about the fourth, fifth minute of the second quarter, we started to see the defense, especially the defense, kind of get into a hole. It was like they were running through surf. One good thing about about our guys was one one group that didn't seem to get gassed was our offensive and defensive lines. They were blowing people off the ball from the start of the game and through, through the end of the game. We even got the backups in and to give the starting guys a break, and they were blowing people off the ball, getting to the quarterback. And Justice Reed had quite the debut for the Hokies, the graduate transfer from Youngstown State, who also played at Florida earlier in his career, had two sacks in his first game. Fuente talked about him today in his meeting with the media, saying that how impressed they are with their own tight ends. And he's seen Reed throw this, his own tight ends around, so he knows it's a load to deal with. So I think we could have a big season out of this kid if he stays healthy. 
and actually two seasons because remember everybody's getting the freebie so if he wants to hang around a year he's got another year of eligibility after this and who knows justice reed seems to like to be in college (laughs) year of college i think yeah because he's had yeah. a lot of injuries and he transferred from Florida too. So he's we're, we're hoping for a big year and he goes in the NFL next year. That's what we want for him. So, yeah. but yeah, I get you. If we can keep these kids around another year. Let's do it. But it's a good start though. Yeah. Not to talk about that too badly because yeah, we want to see him. He, I, I was hap- I was really happy to see how well he had done. And it made me feel like, wow, we actually have a defensive end of defensive end quality for a chain. Not that we had bad players, but he's, defensive end size and that's yeah, something we hadn't have i would like to see garbett play with him where garbett yeah. was the second defensive end and garbett could have really yeah. benefited from some of the attention that reed was getting i thought belmar's solid belmar's never going to be a guy that gets a bunch of sacks but i think that i would like to see garbett play with reed i think that would have been a good combo so maybe, maybe it we'll been a- these young guys as the season goes though like yeah. uh, some of the freshmen Seems to be also enjoying it, and he seems to be teaching too. So, which is one of those things that he he stepped up and kind of walked into that the on field teaching role too. One of the other issues we had, even though we did have a reasonably good pass game, there were issues with the types of routes that were being run. This was from Joshua, my son. He noticed that most of the routes being run were what they call cup routes where the quarterback is the center of the bottom of the cup and the routes are run across route trees that are at arcs out and down the sideline, out and down the sideline. There's not a whole lot of crossing and there's not a whole lot of sophistication in some of the deeper routes. So everything is pressed out toward the edge. Now, I can understand why they did that. I mean, we were talking about now second and third string quarterbacks with not a whole lot of route tree experience anyway, but it did sort of limit the passing game, although it kept it from making mistakes, which that was the positive. When you have that cup route tree, you basically have an ability for the quarterback to see a target that won't get a flag and throw it over his head when something's not good. So there's a positive and a negative about that. I would hope that next week with Duke, when we see Hendon Hooker back on the field, that Hooker gives us back some more route trees. We get some of the curls and some of the digs that he can throw and that he's been practicing. So I'm hoping that happens. The last one that seemed to come across that we talked about, it wasn't that the defensive line wasn't strong enough. Josh was worried about the defensive line gap coverage especially the outside and outside contain, not on Reed's side of the field. Reed seems to have that developed sense of being able to rush from the outside and keep the contain, get the sack without losing contain. He knew he knows when to collapse and when not to. The other side was kind of struggling with that, got caught out of position a couple of times, which that's got to get picked up. And then there were a couple of interior gaps that A lot of it was holding, and there was a tremendous amount of holding in the interior of the line. NC State was getting away with a lot of it. I think you're going to see more of that in these situations with the need to protect quarterbacks and stuff, with these roster issues going on with all these schools. And when you get into that, I see less flags of the interior holding kind of stuff. So that's my thing. What have you got on your plate? Well, I'm I'm going to keep it all positive this week. Um, 
we're talking about one transfer, talking about Justice Reed. What's the, what about Khalil Herbert? What a debut he had. Six carries, 104 <laughs> yards, and a touchdown. I mean, we, we heard and a lot a gear, about him. a gear that we did not realize he had. Yeah, we, we thought he was more – I saw a little bit of – when I knew we had came here, I went back and watched a little bit of, of him at Kansas, and he looked to be more of a power kind of guy. But he, he shows some power runs with a low center of gravity, but he's – man he had some pretty good speed I mean he ran right through that secondary nobody caught him from behind and pretty impressive and we really didn't get to see Blackshear unleashed and that's that's great because we won a game by three touchdowns and we didn't even have to use Blackshear in the passing game I think that's going to be a feature that we see in the coming weeks and I'm excited to see what he, he scored a touchdown as well but I think he had five or six carries and wasn't really featured in the passing game we didn't need to pass the ball too much and that's a tribute to how dominant the offensive line was yeah, well, Blackshear had eight carries, 31 yards, lost three, net 28, he had a TD. So he, he had 3.5 yards, of course, if you take away the lost three and, you know, and the situations in which he was running. He did pretty well for coming out of the box kind of fresh. It was nice to see Holston with the number zero on the field, and he got five carries with 43 yards. And he netted 42 of that. He only lost one yard. So he was averaging 8.4 yards a run, which is great for Jalen. If they can get Jalen's fire lit, that would mean we'd have, we have those three starting running backs that we've wanted to have for a long time. Well, don't forget Keyshawn Kings, but is, is, is a stud. We know what we got in him. Yeah. Keeping him on the field. I was kind of hoping they would just redshirt him this year, but it looks like he's going to play. He missed the game. He was one of those 23 players that missed the game due to the COVID-19, but lots of talent in that backfield this year, and it's exciting, and I think we're going to see Herbert's going to – there's been a narrative about why Fuente can't get some of these top high school running backs from Virginia. I think I think Herbert's going to change that narrative this year. I think he's going to run for 1,000. It's a short season, but I still think he can run for 1,000 yards. Yeah, well, he went over 100 Saturday night, and he earned every one of those 100 yards. It wasn't fluke stuff. It was nice running. And just the last thing we'll do before we kind of wrap this, the last thing to do positive kudos, we got a Tenuta, Derisaw, Smith. I mean, this offensive line, these 10 kids are going to go down as the best offensive line unit we've had in 20 years. They were blowing people off. There was one replay when Tenuta was blocking some guy 12, it looked like like the safe, free safety or whatever on that close-in run where I think it was Blackshear scored the touchdown. And Tenuta basically buried the guy about three three yards back in the end zone, and the guy gets up and tries to push it. Tenuta bounced off. It was like, sit down, shut up. And oh, by the way, sit down, shut up. That was the nasty that we've been missing for a long time. And yeah, having been in the trenches, it's a rolling Greco-Roman wrestling match, fist fight, mixed martial arts at the heavyweight level. It is war in the trenches. And if think, you have ever played down there, you wouldn't know. I think Brock Hoffman being back there this year, well, he was here last year, but he couldn't play, which was a ridiculous NCAA rule. But anyway, he adds a nastiness to this group that I don't know that was there last year. I'm not saying it wasn't there, but he's unleashed these guys. And he was just named... I read today the ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week, and if you go back and see those that first quarter, a couple of those blocks he had, I, can, I think you can see why. 
is a good group. It's it's a group with a lot of talent, but they have the disposition too that you need to play the position. So really excited yeah. about that group. Hope we keep them all healthy. Yeah, my dad told me when I lined up on the line for the first time, you're going to growl and you're going to hiss and you're going to talk smack. And and he said, and when the guy across from you just steps on your hand, you're in trouble because that's what happens in the line. You don't see it. You don't hear it because it's it's subdued because especially the offensive line has to stay still and they have to do their audible calls. But I never spent a snap. And even as a young kid in middle school football, I never played a snap any, at any time that wasn't a fist fight. And we finally have that offensive line, and I'm thrilled. So those are the good things we have. And as we wrap this show up, next week we travel to Raleigh-Durham to hopefully lay the same sort of smack on a team that really deserves it with what happened there last year. I think everyone remembers that Friday night in Blacksburg last, last September. I think it was the 26th and where Duke just showed up and we didn't. And it was the most embarrassing game in my lifetime watching Virginia Tech. Anyway, uh, late in the fourth quarter, I think it was around the seven and a half minute mark. Duke was up 38 to 10 and David Cutcliffe calls for a fake punt. And Tech's kids had done just the air was let out. I mean, there was a, just a miserable night that night. We were there. And Coach Fuente was not happy about it, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to say anything. He's going to keep that in the back of his mind. And just like he used to do to Larry Fedora at North Carolina, I think this one will be remembered. And if the Hokies get up like they did on North Carolina State against Duke this weekend, Fuente is going to keep the foot on the gas pedal, and I'm all for it. Next week, he doesn't take a knee inside the twenty inside the 32nd mark at the two-yard line when he was going to score a touchdown and make the score 52 to 24, he had the team take a knee and let the clock run out. That isn't going to happen next week, I don't think. Well, it's big boy football. I mean, you know, you get up 30, 35, the SEC schools don't quit on you. They they keep pouring it on you. So that's kind of what I want to see this weekend. I, I think Duke deserves it, and uh, let's, let's kick them while they're down. I mean, they're never a yeah. powerhouse, but they're certainly not good this year, and we have a chance to be good. I'd like to see us go out there and, Hang 50 on them. Yeah, it would be great. And I think the wise guys are all saying that we're probably going to hang 50 on them. The over and under is 52.5 right now. That's the early one. And they're saying that we're a 10.5 point favorite, which usually I, means more than that. I take that bet. I believe yeah. I believe that's a safe bet this week. Generally, yeah. I don't go with that, but I, but I would go with that this week. So that leaves us with coming up around Thursday. Brian and I have to record again probably tomorrow, our regular preview show. And that's our wrap show for this weekend's football game. We're sorry it won't be up on Monday night, but Brian had some commitments that came in as in his mother showed up. You know, mom comes first. So we'll have to, we'll get Catherine to get this edited and get it out so that we get it up online on Tuesday. And we'll see you again on Thursday night. And hopefully we're going to be talking about some potential high score and hijinks from Virginia Tech. So without further ado, Brian, what do we always say? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.